morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Beautiful summer day. I got my glasses on today just to mix things up a little bit. Yeah, my shirt's untucked. I figure, you know what, I'm going different today. The shirt's untucked, the glasses are on, the beer's getting longer. I'm just, you know, trying to mix it up a little bit, yeah? Well, God is good. He is faithful all the time, amen? No matter what we look like or what we feel like, He is faithful all the time. So stand with me this morning. We're going to do a call to worship together. We've got a couple verses we're going to read out loud. It's out of Psalm 66. So let's just say these together on the count of three. One, two, three. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Selah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father, I just pray that as we enter your presence, that you will have your way in this place. Have your way in this place and in this physical place, but more importantly, in our hearts today. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's worship. Let's sing that again. Let's sing that again. praise you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. There is no God like you. We bring you glory, Father. We bring you glory, Jesus. We thank you so much for your love. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We give you the highest praise, Father. We give you the highest praise, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. It's so amazing that, you know, we come before him and we glorify him. And I just want to encourage us today with Romans 8. But it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, we, we come to him. It's so, how good is God that we come to him and we bring him glory and then he welcomes us into this glory that he's going to reveal in us and we'll be one with him forever and ever and ever. He's so good. 
I'm going to read a portion of Romans 8 from 18, uh, kind of through the end here. And I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage all of us in the days that we live to keep our eyes on him and on his glory and on what he's done and the promise and the hope that he has given us as we shine for him. So I'll just read verse 18 again and continue. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole world, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the, for the adoption, the redemption of our body. How many of you eagerly await that day? For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He's predestined each of you. He's called each of you and justified each of you through his blood. And he will glorify you in himself. Just as the Father glorified Jesus in himself. What then shall we say to these things? Verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, which we're going to partake of in this communion in a moment. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What are all things, guys? It's all the things that we need to be able to make it through, not make it through, to conquer through this world. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written? For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need to hold on to these things in the, day, in the days that we live in. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the news over the, this year in light of my last year. Um, I haven't been able to, but the Lord told me to start paying attention again and all of you know the things that are going on in Afghanistan and the earthquake that hit in um, Haiti. But you know, we have brothers and sisters in both of those places. And, and, and this word right here is strong enough, right? I mean, they are facing persecution in sword, right? And slaughter, they're sheep to the slaughter. But we have a hope and a peace and a rest in the midst of all of it. And so I just want to encourage you guys. I feel like the Lord wants to encourage all of us, no matter what you're going through. You know, you can't compare, I mean, you shouldn't compare sufferings to sufferings. When you're suffering or going through something, you're, you're dealing with it. You're going through it. And his word is for every single one that we go through. So whatever you're going through today, know and be encouraged by this word and by the blood of Jesus that paid for us to be able to have this hope in this conquering ability in this world. Amen. So we will uh, continue to take communion here. There's two tables up front. There's uh, some smaller plates in there in the center that are gluten-free, if you are gluten-free. And each cup has a juice and a cracker in the bottom cup. So please make your way down the center aisles and grab one and then make your way back to your seats. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much. You deserve all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. And we give it to you this morning. We praise you. We worship you. Father, we thank you that you did not spare your own son, but you gave him for all of us because you loved us and you love the world. And Jesus, I thank you. We thank you so much that you were willing to lay down your life in obedience to the Father because you loved him and because you loved us. And your word says to remember this time as we gather together and as we remember your death and your resurrection, we take this moment to remember it, that you suffered for us, that you laid down your life for us because you loved us, because you cared, and you are our God forever. And we thank you so much. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the cracker.
In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and drink. We remember you, Jesus, and we worship you. We ask you to continue to speak to us from your heart as we worship you, and we bring you glory and praise. So we're going to sing another song. Feel free to come up front. Just worship him with all your might. Starting in verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. We know a couple things about little children. And when he says little child, what I see is a two or a three-year-old. A two or a three-year-old doesn't have any consciousness of their own qualification. They'll come to you for love, for help. They have no pride. They'll come naked. They'll come messy, dirty, gross. I mean gross. Boogers, gross. And they'll come right up expecting goodness from you, expecting that if they need knowledge, you'll give it to them, expecting that if they need love and affection, you'll give it to them. They don't, they don't get dressed up before they come seeking goodness from you. And I had this picture as we were worshiping of a pool. A pu- like a public pool, like a, an open community pool. And children just running and cannonballing into the pool, diving and contests, and they're just enjoying to the fullest. It's hot out. I mean, hot, hot. And you've got moms on the side, and their, their feet are in the pool, and they're talking, and they're enjoying. And then you have some people who are farther back, and they're, you know, they're finding shade, and, and they're enjoying, but they're not they're not all in, right? They're not jumping all in. Then you have some who are even further back who are watching from a distance, observing. Well, that child doesn't have sunscreen on. Look at, look at that girl. What? Her mother's letting her wear that. They're sitting back and they're part of, they want to be part of the community, but they don't want to enter in. They're too scared, actually. They're too scared to jump a cannonball in because they're afraid of what people might think. Because they think other people are always judging the way they're judging. But a child could care. That person isn't even on their radar. Because they're jumping into the goodness. And we can always go further and we can always go deeper. So this morning, the invitation is come before him. Come before him as a child. Laying down 
laying down and acknowledging the knowledge we have is nothing. Lord, teach us, for we know nothing. What little, what little we've studied of your word is just in part. It's like looking into a dull mirror. So when we walk around like we've got it, like we need to instruct others on their, their business, we are not walking as children. We are not walking in humility. The, the encouragement today is come to him as you are, laying down all that would hinder, cannonball into his presence. And there are, there are stages to getting there, you know. Sit on the side and dip your toes in and dip your feet in. But I want to be the kid who just comes and just enjoys him fully. Enjoys him fully. This morning, God was so good to me. He was just so, he was just so sweet to me this morning because I'm tired. I'm just tired this morning. I don't know if anybody else ever feels that way. It's like, oh, an, no, it's no, like no. an inward tired. And I, I woke up, I was woken up very sweetly, and my first conscious thoughts were just groan. And the Lord, he was just there, right there, right in my thoughts first thing. And it was, there's no striving. I'm here. Come to the well of grace that never runs dry. You don't earn the anointing. You don't earn his love. You don't earn grace. You don't earn mercy. It's just there. And the last thing was just about Abraham. It was credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. So this morning when I rolled over, just tired, like, oh, I got nothing this morning. I don't even want to take a shower, but I did. The Lord said, you don't have to have anything because I've got it all. And I'll give it all to you today. And guess what? Tomorrow, he'd give it all to me again. And the next day, he'd give it all to me again and again and again. He is good. He's a deep, deep pool on a hot, hot day. He is good. He is good. Amen. Good word. We'll close out this time of worship out of Psalm 86. It says, Rejoice the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. Abundant. The pool is big, guys. The pool can fit us all, okay? The pool's not overflowing. It's not, there's space for you to jump in the pool this morning. It says, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among their gods, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Thank you, Father God. Father, we just walk in that truth this morning. We thank you that you are good. You are faithful. We thank you for your goodness. We praise your holy name. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Amen.
as we move into greeting time. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We are always so excited to worship together. Um, on the backs of the seats, there's a connection card. Um, that's a place just for you to write your name or put as much information or as little information as you'd like. And those connection cards go in the offering buckets, which will be up front here during the break. Um, that's also the place where you put your prayer requests, your praise reports, your testimonies. Uh, we love to, to hear them and to read them. Um, if you're a kid, ECF kids, you know, head to Kid Corner. If you're a guest and you have a child, um, we have some guest bags uh, back there for you, and I will be back there, um, sermon notes and things like that. And then offering, bring your offering, your tithes up before the Lord with gladness and with joy, because goodness gracious, he has blessed us Amen. abundantly, Amen. and we just give to give back to him just a little bit of what he's given to us. Um, so let's just greet one another and encourage one another, and then we'll come back together. All right, church family. Let's talk about some church things. Um, we have a lot of great things going on in the family. Um, we have been collecting soap for the city mission. Um, there's a specific kind of soap that they have asked for. There's a picture of it. Um, it's called Roma Laundry Detergent. Um, it can be found in Walmart in a one-pound bag. Our goal has been 50 pounds of soap per month, and we have been consistently hitting that goal. So clapping for our church family. Guys, I, it's not, you know what? It's not flashy. <laughs> it's laundry soap, but it's meeting the needs of people in the name of Jesus, and that is everything. So if this is something that you've been partnering with, thank you. If this is something you want to partner with, um, you can go ahead and buy the soap and bring it in on Sunday mornings. You can also give through the offering, and on the offering envelope on, under other, you can just write soap. And then we'll know that whatever that amount is goes toward purchasing soap. Um, so that's something awesome that's going on. Next is young adult small group. Um, the young adults meet, I think, every other Tuesday at 6 p.m. The next meeting is the 24th, and it's up at the Rose Center. Hold on. The 24th is this Tuesday, right? Okay, this Tuesday. Up at the Rose Center, Sydney leads it and... I mean, they're just a great group of young adults. If I was young enough, I would want to go. I would show up. Um, my, one of my daughters goes, and she never wants to miss it. She's like, no, I, I want to go. So if you're a young adult and you haven't checked it out, check it out. Um, and uh, it's just a great time. Uh, they're going through Bible study. They have a good time. Um, so don't miss out on that. All right, last announcement. We've been talking about Breakthrough Weekend. Uh, Breakthrough Weekend is coming up September 24th and 25th. This isn't just another church event. What this is, this is a conference. It's a conference. So one of the great things about being a pastor is you get to go to conferences. And when you go to a conference, you're actually being poured into, like, in an intensive way. Um, it's not just a sermon, it's, it's where there is a purpose and there's a goal and it's very focused. Um, so this is, a this is a conference that's being made available to all the churches in the Erie area. And it's been put together um, by five churches. We are one of those churches. Uh, Jason and I get together, um, Andy, Sydney, the, the leadership of this church. Is, we're getting together on a regular basis for months now and praying over this conference, praying for unity among the body of Christ across Erie. And 
um, this conference is just the start of it. It's called Breakthrough. Um, it is $20 per person registration, $30 per family. If that is something that is a stretch for you, then you just come and see us because it's not, nothing should keep you from, from coming to this conference. The focus, I believe, is the gifts of the Spirit. There's going to be breakout sessions on if you want to learn more about the gift of prophecy, about hearing from God. And those sessions will be taught by different pastors in the area. Um, these prayer meetings that we've been to, Pastor Nicole Schreiber, we adore her. She is a kingdom-minded woman. Um, the friends, Matt and Jen Friend, Pastor New Beginnings Church in Fairview, um, Apostle Kevin Nelson. Um, we have gotten together and prayed, and the prayer is amazing. It's awesome. Um, there's no there's no hidden agendas. There's no, there is no um, elevating one church over another. There is a true spirit of unity, and it's happening, and I'm excited. So it's a lot of words because I have a lot of words, especially when something is important. This is going to be phenomenal. So it is being hosted this year at Erie First Assembly. Next year, and we are praying and hoping that this will be a yearly thing, next year it may be hosted here. Um, we're praying for 500 people, um, and on the back table there is uh, postcards with all the information that you would need, um, and also, are there registration forms back there? There's registration forms on the back table. There's a QR code that you can scan and get more information, like times and maybe even sessions. I'm not sure how much information is on there because I haven't, I haven't looked online just yet. But I encourage you, press into this. I mean, pray about it, but press into attending Breakthrough Weekend. And I think we have a video. Have a video. Excited. I'm excited for that weekend that's coming up. Uh, so I just encourage you to register early. Uh, 500 is not a limit, but 500 is what we're praying for. So be in prayer with us uh, to see 500 people sign up. This is for all ages, too. This is for teenagers, too, for young people. So uh, during one of the prayer times, we really felt, I just felt the sense of young people, young people, young people, and that there was going to be a breakthrough, not just with the more mature generation in Erie, but the young people are going to be breaking out in just Holy Spirit fire and taking it to the colleges and to their high schools. And we're just really excited what's going to happen. And the Lord is just bringing together local churches to be one church, the big church. Yes, we all worship in different areas and different congregations, but the big C, I think, is what we called it as we were praying. The big C church, not lowercase, not just Erie Christian Fellowship Church, but the big C church. The bride of Christ. <laughs> the bride of Christ. All laying everything else down, but joining and unifying together. So now we are just super excited that that is what's coming up. Just another quick update. Uh, I know we talked about launching uh, kids' ministry, specifically nursery again. Uh, I just want to give you guys an idea of timing on that. It's not like it's happening next week. Uh, we're still asking for additional volunteers. If you're interested in that, I believe we got four or five or maybe even up to six. We're looking for eight to get started uh, in nursery uh, ministry to get that back up and running. Uh, so if you are interested in that, 
please come see us, see Andy or, or Sid or, or myself or Liz, anybody after church, and just uh, talk to us about that so we can begin to get you registered and get ready for the training. Uh, we're going to redo a few things in the room as well. And then I also mentioned, I think, two or three weeks ago about needing some cleaning and maintenance help. We did have somebody come forward and, and ask how they could help. We still need additional help. So if that's you, uh, please see Don Johnson. Don, raise your hand there. Uh, after church today, and he'll be able to... Uh, He'll be able to get that, uh, get you lined up. So I do have a quick testimony. Uh, it comes from my family, uh, and it's the importance of kids. Yeah, the importance of kids and kids ministry. And I know kids ministry is not happening uh, per se in the rest of the church building, but kids ministry is happening right here in the sanctuary. And we have to remember that. And sometimes we forget that, but kids, they are listening. Do you know that they are listening? <laughs> they might be coloring something, but they are listening. And how do I know that they're listening? Well, we sang a song a couple weeks ago. I think Andy said it. I'm going to see a victory. You guys remember that song? We sang that recently. Well, I'm upstairs. I, was this, girls, was this yesterday or the day before? I'm upstairs sitting in my room, and I'm not sure exactly what I was doing, but from Maggie May's bedroom, all I hear is, I'm going to see a victory. Okay, she's three, guys, okay? I'm going to see a victory. For the glory belongs to the Lord. Like, okay, she's messing up the verse or the lyrics, but that's okay. What was happening is it was in her heart. And she hears it when she sits in here and she sits in her stroller. She's hearing and being fed, and it's actually getting down on the inside. And she's singing it while drawing completely by herself in the other room. Because she's going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. That's just a wonderful testimony of what God is doing uh, in our young people. I want to pray over our offering this morning. I do have one scripture I'd like to read out of 1 Corinthians 15, and I believe it's verse 36. It says, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Guys, we have to die to the sense that we can have complete control over our finances. And I think, the, look, the Lord doesn't need your 10%. He, he says he wants your 10%. He wants because he knows it is good for you. Because we have to die to our, this, this, this sense, especially in America, like, well, I'll just, I can just do it myself. I'll get it done. I'll get a separate job. I'll get three jobs, four jobs, five jobs, six jobs, seven jobs. I'll make a way to make it happen. He's saying, Lord, no, just die to that thought that you are your own provider. Because the last I looked in the Bible, it doesn't say be your own provider. It says work. It says work hard so that you can eat. Yes, there's things that we have to go do. But last I looked, Jehovah Jireh is my provider, which is another name for God is our provider. So we got to set ourselves. We got to set ourselves down with that. We have to die to that thought that we can do it on our own. And say, you know what? Because once that happens, once once we sow that, and we say, Lord, you have it. Have your way. That's when multiplication begins to happen. And I've seen from the beginning of when we started tithing as a family, 90% always goes farther than 100%. Come on, church. 90% always goes farther than 100%. You say, how is that possible? Eh, you can't, there's no math class. There's no professor, professor at the local schools who will tell you, well, 90% is more than 100%. But in this church, and it, because of the word of God and his promises, 90% goes further than 100%. And 
And I challenge you to get a hold of that revelation and truth. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness over our finances. Thank you for every gift and every giver. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you make 90% go further than 100%. So, Father, we just give it all to you. It's all yours anyway. So we give it all to you, Lord. We are distribution centers. And so we just ask that you lead us and guide us in our finances. We thank you, Lord, for every bill being paid. Father, and jobs being found where jobs need to be found. And Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful and so good. And Father, as we come to begin to hear your word, Lord, and what you have for us this morning, Lord, I just ask that your word will be anointed today by your Holy Spirit for encouragement, conviction, and anything else you want to go do this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, open your Bibles to Luke 17. And uh, we did, so last week, Pastor Jim, I know he's not here, I heard he did a great job on the goodness uh, of God and how good God is, and, and I appreciate that. And we came back from uh, the Lehigh Valley last week. We got to minister at the church we grew up in, in the Lehigh Valley in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So we were honored as guest speakers there, and it was such a blessing uh, to be able to go do that and go back and just minister to the church family in which we grew up in. But now this is our church family, and we missed you guys like crazy. And the interesting thing is, the Lord has just been orchestrating these messages over the summer. You know, we did the, uh, Jeremy Gall was here, we did a message series on faith and the school of faith, and then Pastor Jack came in and did the flock of God, and then those two weeks I did the family of God and what it looks like. And as we were talking with Pastor Jack, and as, I know Brother Paul's not here, as we were talking with Paul, and as we were praying and believing and asking the Lord this, we, we are positioned and poised, ready to grow, spiritually, <laughs> first and foremost. And we begin to ask and pray and seek and say, Lord, these sermon series that we're doing are not just by accident because, you know, I got up one day and had a cup of coffee and, and Googled, like, what are the best sermon series to do for the local church? And then whatever pops up, I just go do. That's not how it happens. Through prayer, through God's leading, he begins to show me and the team where the sermon series needs to be. What does Erie Christian Fellowship Church need to hear, whether they like it or not? <laughs> yeah? Whether they like it or not. And the Lord revealed to us, several of us, one of the words actually came from Sid, I think one from Andy, a couple from Liz and from me. There were five things that had been holding this church back. Five things that had been holding this church back. And they're, it's a, they're spiritual battles. It's not kids' ministry. It's not... Men's ministry, women's ministry, the size of the sanctuary. It's not because we don't have our debt paid off yet. There are five spiritual battles that our church is battling through and has been battling for a long time. And I believe the Lord is beginning to release me to begin teaching on some of those things. In fact, he showed me I've actually already been teaching on some of them. And we've been talking about some of them. Here are the five things. We are going to continue to pull down the strongholds of the spirit of fear, the spirit of pride, come on guys, the spirit of entitlement, the spirit of gossip, 
and the spirit of offenses. And we're going to do a series now on offenses. I know we talked about faith a couple months back, you know, which is the opposite of fear, but I'm going to focus the next couple weeks on offenses. And what, do those, what does it look like? How does it manifest? How do we defeat that? How in our lives, whether it's, whether it's from our spouse or our kids or our boss or our pastor or whatever it is, how do we battle that? And get victory over it so that we as, a, as people and you as an individual and us as a church can begin to move forward. Amen? And so here's what I found out in talking with, uh, so we, we had some time to meet the friends, Matt and Jen Friend from New Beginnings Church. Uh, after prayer, we sat till 11 p.m.? Tuesday night, 11 p.m., talking to them. We talked to Pastor Jack, we talked to Pastor Nicole. This is not unique just to our church. <laughs> These things happen at every church. And the reason that they happen is because they're the devices, they're the bait of Satan, as John Bevere calls. There are things that happen in the church and in relationship because the Satan's job, what he wants to go do is to divide us. He, wants, he doesn't want to see unity amongst churches. He doesn't want to see unity amongst the body of Christ and in church families. He wants divisiveness. So he will bring spirits to try to come against those things of gossip and of offenses and of pride and of fear because his job is to try to disunify. And the Lord wants us to be unified. So this week's title is called The Scandalon. I'm not, I'm, okay, guys, I'm trying to get creative on my titles. There it goes. There's a spelling of it if you want to write it down. The scandal, I'm like, oh, man, what's he talking about this week? What's the scandal that's happening? What's it going, something going on with Biden? No, no, I'm not talking about Biden or Trump or anybody else. We're talking about the Word of God this morning. And so this week's title is called The Scandal On. You're going to be like, what, what, what is that? What are we, I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Are you guys at Luke 17? Did you guys get there? Okay. Before I start, I do want to give credit to the Bible for this message because it is good stuff. I also do want to give credit where it's due is John Bevere does a series called Bait of Satan, which is all about offenses. And I'd encourage you, if this, you know, these messages resonate with you, uh, I would encourage you to get his book. I have not read his book in a long time. We did a, we did a series a long time ago, uh, maybe like 15 years ago on the bait of Satan, but some of this stuff is still, it's, it's still good, guys, it's still good, and I did pull some of it uh, from David Wilkerson, from others, and just from life, <laughs> some life, offenses happen in life, yeah, it happens in life, and I want to just kind of walk through that, so credit to the Bible first and foremost, key scripture, let's start here, Luke 17, when he said to the disciples, this is Jesus speaking, look, look at this, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Church, it's impossible. It will happen. You will have the opportunity to be offended, and you will offend somebody else. Look, church, this is like, unless you're perfect, unless you're Jesus. Nope, no hands, okay. Nobody's perfect, nobody's Jesus. Offenses will come from others, and you will be someone who delivers an offense? It says, but woe to him who through they come. I get it. We, it's, nobody has a, and maybe some of you do. I don't know anybody who has a goal like, you know what? I wake up this morning, I'm going to go offend a bunch of people today. Like, we need to have a discussion. 
<laughs> you know, we need to have a discussion. Like, I don't, it, but it happens. It happens because of past hurts. It happens because of things people have previously said to us. It happens because of the way we're thinking is wrong. It happens because we're sitting in judgment over somebody else. It ha- There's a whole bunch of reasons on why it could happen. But here's what Jesus is saying. It's impossible that no offenses should come. So the Greek word that's used here is scandalon. Okay, what scandalon actually means, listen to this. It's the Greek word and the translation is this. It's the part or the trigger of the hunter's trap that holds the bait. It's the trigger that holds the bait. When we take that bait of offense, we trigger the enemy's trap. And knowingly or unknowingly, we become captive to his will, which is Satan's will. Come on, church. It's a trap. And it's impossible that it's not, it means it's going to come. That means every single one of you needs to be ready for the trap. Every one of you needs to be like, mm, I see that trap coming, right? You think of in my basement, like, you know, in the, in the fall time, you know, we put the traps out. Right? I'm sorry. You know, we put, they're not the nice traps that allow me to release the mice later. But they're the not-so-nice traps, okay? But you think of what that trap is. It lures that mouse in. Mmm, that peanut butter. Where is that peanut butter smell coming from? Yeah, it lures it in. And as soon as it gets onto that bait, done. And what the enemy wants to do, what Satan is trying to do, is to lure you in with an offense. Take that bait so that mm, you are held captive by it. And your life begins to change. I'm going to show you some scriptures here in Matthew 24 in a little bit. But stay with me here. That Greek word scandalon, it's the bait. It's the bait. It's the trap. These offenses are an actual bait from Satan. The hardest ones we have to deal with are the ones who are closest to us. Right? Spouses, kids, bosses, pastors. Right? This is where we have... We feel the biggest amount of offense when something comes after us. You know, in our, in our marriage, you know, we've told the story before. Like, for the first 11 of years of our marriage, like, I was, I don't I mean, just by the grace of God, what Liz needed, you know, as a husband, like, I just was calm, steady, reasonable, <laughs> nice, loving, easy, thanks babe, don't give me, don't, don't fill in all the rest of the words here on the second part, but something at 11 years, like I just, I was struggling, it wasn't like a midlife crisis or anything, because I'm, I'm not even at midlife yet, amen, praise God, I got lots of years to go, but what happened was, is something began to stir on the inside, and the Lord began to do a work in me, looking back on it, I saw how the Lord was working in me, but I actually became a little bit of a jerk, Amen. The only one that could say amen to that comment is right here. I just, it was like, I don't know, like the Lord was working on things and I was struggling and it was her time to be able to choose to love me and to choose to not be offended when I walked into the room, not like Jesus, when we just sang, right? When we walk into the room, no, when Jason walked into the room during my difficult times, I literally would grab the remote I'm putting the sports on. 
put the TV, like put whatever on. And people are in the room like, what happened to this guy? And I was struggling, and any, all of us, right, we've got times where we struggle. But what Liz had to do is she had to decide to not be offended at the behavior because it was someone closer and it was hurtful. Some of the things that I said and, was did, and did was, was, was could be this trap. It could be a trap, and she had to walk through that. So verse 2 says this, because this is hard stuff, yeah? This is difficult stuff. It says, verse 2, says, it would be better for him... So going back to this is someone who causes an offense. Be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Like the Lord is pretty serious about offenses because he understands and he knows that they are a bait and they're a trap and they lead not just to an offense, but I'm going to show you in a minute what they begin to lead to and it's devastating and it's detrimental to our lives. Little ones in this case, in, this, in, in talking about it, it actually means believers. It actually means believers. It doesn't mean little kids. Like, woe to you who causes the little one an offense. It actually means believers. And because this was the early church, it was talking about believers who were young in the faith, who were new in the faith. So woe to us who would offend a young believer. It says, take heed to yourselves, verse 3, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, go to him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, I'm not walking through the total reconciliation process this week. You'll have to come back in future weeks. I'm probably going to do that in week three or four. But it says, Take, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. How many times are we supposed to forgive that person? Yeah. Not one time. Not two times. Not three times. Don't tell me how many times you had to forgive me during that time. But it, the Bible talks about 70 times 7. And you know the reference there that they're talking about 70 times 7 means basically infinity. It's not 490. You're like, mm, I know I did my math. 70 times 7 is 490. I'm at 489. I only got to forgive one more time. Praise God. And then I can just hold on to the offenses moving forward. No. What 70 times 7 meant, it means just like, it's a lot. It's like you have to keep doing it. Even though it's difficult, we have to keep doing it. And if he sins against you seven times, verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Church, we need to be a people who forgive. We need to be a people who don't take the trap of the offense. And many of us already have, and we're going to walk through some steps here this morning to be able to begin to release that, because it's important that we release it. I don't want anybody walking out of here holding on to something. Not, look, I don't want you walking out of here holding on to an offense. That doesn't mean what was done to you or said to you wasn't hurtful, wasn't difficult, wasn't something that should have never, never, never happened to you. I'm not saying you're going to be able to forget it. I'm not saying that it doesn't still have things that you've got to pray about and talk to. What I'm saying is we need to begin to release, release those who have done those offenses to us. We have to release them. Here's why we have to release them. Turn to Matthew 24. Man, I got a lot to talk about. It's only 1135. We got time. 
Matthew 24, verse 4. I have, like, the opposite need for glasses, okay? You know how some people put, like, the, the cheaters on so they can see close up? I, can, I can't see far away, so this is why I think if I take them off, now I can see. Look at that. Okay, side note, the casual look. And Jesus, Matthew 24, verse 4. This is Jesus talking about the signs of the end of times. We see what's going on in Afghanistan. We see what's happening in Haiti. Please continue to pray for those countries. As a side note, do you know that Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world? Next to who? Iran. Yeah, no, not the United States of America. Iran and Afghanistan, the, the, who's getting persecuted the most? Iran and Afghanistan, God is working his move. So pray for the safety, protection, and blessing for the church in those countries, uh, including Haiti as well and all the stuff that's going on there. Total side note. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Again, we're talking about the end of times. I will deceive any who will deceive many. And you will hear of wars... Rumors of wars, see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, there will be pestilence, there will be earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Like, oh, not this message. Not the end times one. But guys, yeah, woo But we, guys, we're, we are a pro- continue. Obviously, every day we're continuing to get one day closer, right? But here, it looks, it gets worse. Look at verse 9. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Okay, all of this happening. All of this terrible things happening. Look at verse 10. And then many will be offended. We're talking about the last times here. We're talking about the end days. We're talking about, yes, earthquakes, see it. Christians getting persecuted, see it. Many will be offended in the the last days. It almost means that Satan's traps and baits that he's he's setting, it's actually increasing. They're going up. Because he understands the times are in. Look, the enemy knows the scripture, just by the way, because he uses scripture to try to tempt Jesus. Okay, he understands the scriptures. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Look at this. Offense leads to betrayal, which leads to hate. This is like a, this is like a process. When we take that bait and the offense is there and we grab hold of it and we hold on to it, it actually leads to worse things. The offense leads to betrayal. How many of you have seen this in relationships? And it leads to hate. And then look at verse 11. And then and then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. The enemy wants us to be in offense so that we begin to get separated. We have disunity and so that we are off by ourselves and we begin to get deceived by those who are not preaching the word of God. And when it's talking about here, it's not just pastors. This is the body of believers. We get deceived by other bodies of believers. We have to be very, very vigilant about this. Verse 12. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Oh my gosh. Offense to betrayal, to hate, to more offenses. Look at this. To lawlessness, to the love of many will grow cold. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Love one another. Love God and love one another. The ultimate, the ultimate end game of the offense is that our love grows cold. That we actually become not like Jesus anymore because Jesus is love and was love and will always be love. It's like, man, do we have to get a revelation of this. Bible says, I don't have it up there in John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, look at this, verse 35. You can go look at it later, John 13, 35. By this, by our love for one another, which means we have to beat the offenses. We can't take the bait of Satan and the offenses. If we can beat that, look what happens. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. <laughs> if we love one another, the church so easily can love the world. Oh man, that poor person. That homeless person, I'm just going to love on them. I'm going to take care of them. Oh, I see that person who, you know, maybe they're, they you get paid for a living doing something that's, you know, not so good. And, you know, I want to love that person. Us showing the world love doesn't grow the church. It says that all will know and understand and begin to see the love of Christ when we love each other. The family of God. They're looking at us and we're offended at each other. We, we speak hate speech to other denominations. We get upset if somebody says this or something like that. Churches get split. Offenses happen. People leave church. They don't, I mean, I'm not talking about not, you know, hey, you're called to go to another church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you take some offense and you don't deal with it. And you walk away saying, that's right, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was just doing like a, you know, like a blah, 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 you know. And when we take those offenses and we begin to get disunified with the body of Christ and unbelievers see it. And they're just like, man, why do I, why do I want to be a part of that business? Verse 13, still in Matthew 24. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Oh, enduring to the end. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witnesses to all the nations. And then the end will come. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2. I'm going to get into the five things or so we want to do this morning. They're not long. 2 Timothy 2. I just want to give a biblical foundation first of this. 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps grants them repentance, so that they may know the truth, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Come to our senses, church, so we can escape the snare of offense, having been taken captive by him. Look at that. When we get stuck on the bait on the offense, we are taken captive by him. And to do what? By him to do his will. That's lowercase h. 
That's not God's will. When we get stuck in this trap, he has us and we begin to do his will, the enemy's will. What's his will is to kill, to steal, to destroy, to divide. All the things that we just read in Matthew 24 of what offenses do. All right, Pastor Jason, tell me something I can go do. I got it. Okay, here we go. I love sports analogies. I love sports. Um, Anybody hear the saying that offense wins games and defense wins championships? So offenses, the bait of Satan, what he wants to go do, he's been winning some games. But defense, us learning and knowing how to prevent the enemy from getting down the field any further is how we're going to win this championship. Amen? You got that? Can we remember that? It's the defense here. Yes, I know we're a church that speaks. We're a church that's on the offensive. I'm not, I understand that. I'm not saying we're not going to speak against strong. What I'm talking about is we have to understand what's happening, the enemy's offense, so that we can play the good defense and be ready. Okay, so here's the first thing we have to go do. Examine your heart. Most of us don't like to do that. You're like, eh, no, don't want to do that. We have to. You have to examine your heart. You can write the scripture down, Psalm 7, 9. It says, oh, let the wickedness of the wicked one come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. God wants us to examine our heart. Many of us don't want to touch it because the pain was too much. I understand that. But we have to begin to let these offenses go. How do you know? How do you examine your heart? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are speaking about someone, a church, you're standing in judgment over something, you see that person, you do one of those, you know? You know those little things on the inside, you're like, when you see that person and you see them in the grocery store and you're like, okay, come on, guys. Just only I've done that? Come on. I know you're just like, you see someone in the grocery store, you're like, oh, no. You're holding something there. Not because you don't want to talk. You're holding something there. Now, sometimes it might just be you're in a rush and they talk a lot and you're just trying to get out. Okay, I'm just being honest, okay? That might happen. I get that. But there's times where you have this little ping on the inside that you're just like, eh, when you see somebody, you're like, eh, eh. And how you're speaking, if out of your heart comes the overflow of your mouth, what you're saying out of your mouth is an indication of where your heart is. So when you begin talking about someone, if you're not talking about them in love, then you're holding on to something called an offense that's actually holding you back. It's actually holding you back. So this morning... I got five points. It's just number one. So hold on for a second. This morning, right now, I just want you to ask God. Just take a moment. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Ask God right now. Just take a minute. Is there any offense in your heart? Are you holding on to unforgiveness towards someone who has hurt you or disappointed you? Ask the Lord to show you that. You probably already know who it is. 
Just be still for a minute. Listen. And then just take a moment now. Begin to release release those people and the situations to the Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, for your forgiveness for holding on to an offense. Father, we invite you into that place in our heart as we release that offense to that person. Father, we also know that the pain may not leave immediately, but that's okay, that this is just one step in the step of faith to reconciliation. So, Father, examine our hearts this morning. Lord, make this be a habit that we do, not just on Sunday morning, but every day. Let us not keep, let offenses stay or stick. Let us not take that bait. In Jesus' name, amen. To forgive, I'm not taking credit for this quote. This is somebody else. But to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was you. When you hold on to that offense, that unforgiveness, it's actually holding you back. Not them. It's holding you back. All right, step two. Adjust your expectations. The rest of these I'll hit pretty quick. You got to remember the opening verse. Luke 17, 1. Jesus said, it's impossible that no offense should come. So adjust your expectations. When somebody says something and you are having ready to be offended by something, you got to be like, mm, Jesus told me it's going to come. Your spouse says something, you're just like, mm. fences will come. Don't take it. Don't take the trap. Don't take the bait. You have to adjust your expectation knowing that it's going to come. It will come. And it's going to come and be most hurtful from the people who are closest to you. If someone you don't know on the street, you have never met before, you know, would come up to me like, you know, Pastor Jason, I don't like that that top shirt is unbuttoned. I don't like it that you didn't tuck in your, your, you know, your shirt today, that your beard's too long and you're wearing glasses. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Whatever. You know, but if Liz would get on and be like, What's wrong with you? Why are you looking like that? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I could, you could take it. Not that she would ever do that. She thinks I look pretty good in this outfit. Yeah? Okay. She already told me that. <laughs> Insights into our marriage. It's like, boy, you look good today. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I wouldn't be bothered by somebody else criticizing or saying something. But when it's someone close to you is when it hurts the most. And I get that. It hurts. We have to adjust our expectations. Do we have an expectation? Think about it for a minute. Do you have expectations on, the, on those closest to you that are impossible? Do you have an expectation that your spouse is never going to offend you? My sibling is, you know, I'm going to always walk in unity with everybody I ever come into contact with. It's impossible because offenses will come. So we have to adjust our expectations. The next thing we got to do is we have to demolish strongholds. Come on, church. We have to demolish strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought 
into captivity to make it obedient of Christ. Every thought. You know the word stronghold there? The term that they use there is describing a castle or a fortress that is very thick. We have to pull down strong. There are some of us who have had offense strongholds up for a long, long time. And a wall has been built up, and it's time that we begin to tear those down. In fact, this, it's almost it's talking about, if you look at that word in the Greek, it's an impenetrable wall built to keep intruders out. But that's what we do in our hearts, right? If someone keeps offending us, what do we do? We put up the wall. We put up the wall. It gets thicker and gets bigger because we don't want the offense. But the God is calling us to not take those offenses and begin to reconcile. We'll talk about those in future weeks on how we actually go do that. None of us like to get hurt. And most of us typically avoid pain wherever possible, right? So when someone offends us, we're often, even in our subconscious, we begin building and erecting walls in our relationships to protect ourselves. Here's what David Wilkerson said. He's a noted author, pastor, prophet, loved the end times. He says this, A stronghold is an accusation planted firmly in your mind. A stronghold. Satan establishes strongholds in God's people by implanting in their mind lies, falsehoods, and misconceptions. So we take what someone says and we don't even stop to think of the heart behind it or what do they really mean or what are they thinking or maybe they had a bad day and we immediately just bring it in and take it and accept it. We took the bait. The devil may try to convince you that you have a right to hold on to every bitterness because you've been wronged. He'll try to destroy your marriage by persuading you. You can't endure this relationship any longer unless your spouse changes. If you keep listening to these lies, you'll begin to believe them after a while. You know, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, the faith, the kind of faith that we want. But when we begin to listen to the lies of the enemy over and over and over, we begin to believe them even though they're not true. The walls that we have built to protect ourselves from being hurt again. What walls do you have this morning that you need to begin to tear down? Recognize those lies of the enemy. Demolish the stronghold with the word of God. God will help you with this. God will help you with this. The next one is we have to break the chain reaction. So number one was examine your heart. Number two, we have to adjust our expectations. Number three, we have to demolish the strongholds. Four, we have to break the chain reaction. You saw that scripture in Matthew 24, the process on how this happens. And if we don't take a stand somewhere today, starting today, and as we study this over the next couple weeks, we begin to examine our hearts and we commit to not taking the bait of offense anymore and begin working through this in our lives. We have to break the chain reaction. You know, I believe it's the Jordan River that flows into both the Sea of Galilee and also the Dead Sea. 
What's the difference between those two seas? The Sea of Galilee has life. The Dead Sea has no life. Why does it have no life? Because it doesn't flow out anywhere. So if we allow these offenses and this beta Satan and these things that happen in our life, if we don't release them and have them flow out of our lives, our lives become stagnant, stale, and dead. But if we can recognize these things that are happening in our lives and begin to deal with them and process them and shed them, what happens? The Sea of Galilee. Life. Life more abundantly. The last one here for this morning is to pursue unity. We have to make it a point to pursue unity. It says in Ephesians 3, or 4, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We must bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, this out of Colossians, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Jake, you want to come up here as we close? Church, over the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk more about this, talking about specific strategies on what we can do when, with someone and get reconciliation in those. This week is just to get your hearts prepared, get ready, to begin examining yourselves. What is it? What offenses am I holding on to? What offenses have I taken? I've just been holding on to these things. It's time to begin to break those strongholds. It's time to begin to walk in freedom and in life in this area. So bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you, Father. Father, we just release offenses to you. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, through our time with you and in the Word, Lord, that we will recognize the baits and the traps that the enemy has been setting. And Lord, this week, this month, this year, from now and forevermore, Lord, as we see that trap clear as day in front of us, that we don't take that bait. Lord, your word says that it's impossible for offenses not to come, so we know that they're going to come. So Lord, I just pray you would strengthen us to see. And when we've already taken one and we got stuck in the trap, that you are a good God. You are a living God. And you don't want us to stay there. You want us to be free from that trap. So Lord, as we examine our hearts this week, as we forgive this week, as we demolish strongholds this week, as we pursue unity this week, that we would be able to release those who have offended us. To release those who have caused us pain. We know the pain won't necessarily disappear or the memory of it won't disappear, but I truly believe that the pain of it will begin to lighten. 
So Lord, we need you in this. We can't do this on our own. And I ask, Lord, that you would be with us this week. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to come up here this morning. Uh, Andy, I don't know if if you could be one of the prayer teams up here. I believe Chet uh, had to leave. Uh, Maureen, if you want to come up as well, and some of the ladies, and maybe even uh, whoever else I think we've talked about from a prayer perspective. If you guys could come up this morning, I know Paul's not here. But if you say this morning, I've never, you know, all this talk about Jesus, we're singing, when you walk into the room, Jesus, you change everything. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you said, I can't do this on my own anymore, you're right, you can't. It is impossible to walk through this life without Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you need Jesus, and you want to make that decision to say, I want Jesus in my life, I'm going to come down here this morning I'll be right at the bottom of the steps. I want you to come up and talk with me. If you need prayer for anything else, or you need prayer for healing, relationship, someone to agree with you to just be able to release an offense that you've held on to, these guys up here will be able to pray with you and agree with you. I want to end with this benediction. So just bow your heads. Just receive this benediction this morning. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives the victory, guys. He will give you the victory in these situations, in these offenses. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, Father, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray a blessing over this church this week that you begin to unify even a stronger bond between us. And Father, that we would be aware of the trap of the enemy. We will not hold on to or take offenses. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. We will see you, young adults, we'll see you on Tuesday night.